This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 25 of Tales with TR. Got a great guest for you here today, uh, Alex Newhook. If I was to describe someone and I said, he's from Newfoundland, he went in the first round, he moved to BC at a young age to play hockey. Good looking cat. Played on a line with Kyle McGraw at one point. Just one second. Hello? Just one second. I had to press pause and was literally recording. One second. Ah, uh, Jesus. Start again. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to episode 25 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. It's good to see you guys. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, haphazard and inconsistent with the podcast lately for that. I apologize, but, uh, duty calls, real life calls. Um, got a great guest today, Alex Newhook. Now, if I was to say to you, a first round pick from Newfoundland moved away at a young age, uh, moved away to British Columbia to play junior a. Ended up going in the first round. Good-looking cat from Newfoundland. A lot of people would say, well, you know, Terry, you're talking about yourself, but no, I'm not. Alex Newhook and I, outside of the on-ice play, although it's more similar than you think, um, have all that in common. And... uh, I'm excited to talk to the guy. I skate with Alex a little bit. I know Alex. Um, and oddly enough, so Alex last year played in, like, okay, so I guess year and a half, two, two years ago, so two, the 18-19 season, Alex played in Victoria, as anybody who's been paying attention to any hockey knows, was the MVP of the league all and all that, I think, for the second year in the row, yada, yada, yada. But Alex... Played with a guy, Kyle McGraw. He's from Newfoundland. Played a few, uh, played a little bit in the, in the queue. I think a great player. Anyway, so Alex played with him in Victoria. And this year on the St. John's Caps, uh, Kyle came home. Easily could have played pro somewhere, but he came home to go to school. I think he's doing engineering or something. But in any case, I ended up playing on his line this year with Jordan Escott. So it was really odd how Kyle played with two first-rounders from Newfoundland that went to BC, like back-to-back years. Meanwhile... I'm 43, Alex is 20, 20 now, I guess. Um, Kyle's 21, I believe. But anyway, I find that funny, the way hockey works. It's it's a circle or a cycle, I guess. But I guess it's a circle too, uh, <laughs> a life circle. 
life cycle. Um, in any case, yeah, I'm pumped to have Alex on. What a great hockey player. And I'll tell you this about Alex. Alex Newhook is, um, I've often said, like, I've seen guys go in the first round. Alex went 16th last year to, to Colorado. Uh, for myself, you know, navigating through, coming up at that age, there were guys, there were great players. Brian Brer, Brian Brer went first. Uh, Wade Redden went second. They ended up getting traded for each other, like, immediately, which was a real weird thing. But more, more about that on my Brian Berard episode. I think he was my second guest way back. Second episode, two or three. In any case, uh, Brian's a great guy. But anyway, like from Burrard to Redden, and then I get who Lankow number five. I'll just name some: Shane Doan number number seven, Redick Dvorak, I believe number number ten or eleven, and Kyle McLaren number nine. There was some uh, God Peter Sikora, Martin Birona, Giguere. I could go down, you know, my year, and all those players I mentioned ended up being great. Jerome McGinley, of course, uh, great NHL players. Um, Aki Berg, if you're a Leafs fan, <laughs> he went third that year, I believe, to the Leafs. Um, seemed like an okay guy. I don't think he really really lived up to that. But then again, neither did I. But uh, in any case, of all those guys that I saw, I don't know that I saw anybody with one standout ability that was already seemed NHL-ready like Alex Newhook. Like he's an explosive skater would be un underestim <clears throat> un underplaying it. He's really dynamic and explosive. Like, I mean, the guy can wheel. And not like he's huge either, but he's, he must have a great center of gravity. I'm not expert 5'11", I'm guessing. But great center of gravity and powerful strides. And uh, just really blew me away. Like, you know, like, again, I know what ended up happening, but let's say in a... You know, outside of all that, I, I played my cards wrong, yes, but I went to camp as an 18, 19, you know, 20-year-old first-round pick. And and those years, you know, all the guys that I was competing with, you know, a lot of the gone in the first round, um, I really knew my draft class well. The, the, the year before me, say Sheldon Surrey. Sheldon Surrey, you could, you could tell with his shot. Maybe nothing else, because Sheldon really had to work on his defensive play and his skating. But his shot was a National Hockey League shot, and you saw that immediately when he was 17, when he was undrafted. If, if it all works out for Sheldon, like he's already got the shot. Well, it's like Alex. Like I don't know that I've seen anybody that's in their draft year, like when we skated a couple of years ago, that was that explosive and already could be a fast skater in the National Hockey League. Like, wow. I was blown away. And still am. And Alex is a great kid. Uh, great kid. His father, I don't even know Skinny Newhook's name. Skin. I just knew, like, growing up, Skinny's, I'm guessing, like, eight or nine years older than me, but, you know, you'd be at the rink, and, you know, you just get to know people. I, I was a rink rat. I knew everybody that was, uh, you know, on the all-star teams, for the most part, on any team in town. I used to go to the rink all the time, and I knew of Skinny Newhook. And, uh, and he coached the last, you know, he's, he's a good coach too. And Alex was coming through, he coached him. But anyway, you know, Alex grew up with a, with a good hockey family. His sister, Abby, who's a couple years younger. Well, Abby's got a scholarship as well at Boston College. And I think it's set to either start this year or, or this year. Maybe she's in grade 12 and next year she starts. But either way, she signed a ticket for Boston College. Alex is there now, just got NCAA Rookie of the Year after a slow start too. And I love he did it because at this, it, you know, 
people often ask me the difference between major junior and, uh, and, and you know, going college. It's really, I, I honestly find it a judgment call. It's different to person to person. Uh, yeah, each, each call is different. Uh, I just mentioned Kyle McGraw, small little water bug type of player and real, real quick. I mean, not, not like explosive like Alex, but extremely quick. He moves extremely quick. He almost just kind of flies off his skates. Um, I probably, you know, I, I don't know what kind of offers he had. Kyle's a friend of mine, but we don't really talk about it. But I, I know that he went to Cape Breton and they were using him on the fourth line. I watched games and fourth line major juniors, not for a, a slight bullet creative dangler type of player in my mind. Uh, but I think NCAA would have been great for Kyle. But in any case, like I said, uh, it's always a judgment call. Alex picked uh, Boston College and what a year he had. But, you know, he was playing junior A. He still got drafted in the first round, which is kind of unique in itself. This more, happens more and more, but most guys in the first round are either already playing college or they're, they're playing major junior. So Alex came from junior A. Even though he was the best, it's going to be an adjustment in, in uh, NCAA. Of course it is. It's not only better, it's way better than junior A. Way better. Players are older. They're elite. They're, they're plucked off the best junior A teams around. I mean, it's not even close. So you know, and, and there's less games in, in NCAA than there are in Major Junior. So say a guy like Dawson Mercer, also from Newfoundland, set to go in the first round this year. Dawson went, and since he's 16, has been playing 70-odd games a year. He's on the World Junior team this year. You know, a lot of travel. I'm not, you know, saying one is necessarily better than the other, but for development, one guy is getting a lot more games against a lot better competition early. But Alex, you're not going to deny him. He's a determined player. It just took him a few games to get used to it. Like, people say he had a slow start. Yeah, Boston Kai, Christmas, right? There's only like 10 games played. Major Junior, you got like 40, right? So, yeah, slow started really to me. I don't even think it was slow. I, I think he played a lot. He was getting used. He had some chances. I watched a couple games. You can watch him uh, on the net uh, and highlights. And, you know, you get into a rhythm, and it's just that it takes a little bit longer in college. First of all, again, he's coming from junior A, right? And second of all, uh, college is – and there's so much – you know, you got to pay attention to studies. And we, which, I mean, you can say that for major junior if you want. I, I went to school, and you can, it's just a different thing. A major junior, you generally play your seasons out, and then after, you get reimbursed or – Think of it like back pay. Like you, you, for each year you play major junior, you get a year of schooling paid for. That's why like teams like St. Mary's or University of Alberta, you know, when they win the national college championship, it's, it's mostly guys that have played major junior that are getting their schooling paid for. That's how that works. But in, in NCAA, you've got to go to your classes and you got to get, I know Alex, he's not sloughing it. Alex is going hard at school. He's as a lot do. Um, so there's just a little bit more, little bit more maturity off the ice has to come in NCAA. I, I can, I think I can say that for sure. Mm. And to be honest, you're gonna navigate your way around the women, right? Like in in Tri Cities, great place to play junior for me. It was because it was Washington State. There was a lot happening. My God, I, I still talk about you know the the grunge movement in Seattle with Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and. 
Alice in Chains. I can go down and down, on and on and on. That was happening while while we were there. So that was awesome. It was really unique in, in such beautiful scenery with the mountains. And, you know, you got Seattle, Portland, Spokane right there. Seattle, Portland are west down of Tri-Cities. Uh, about three hours, maybe. Uh, and Spokane is about an hour and a half north of Tri-Cities. But spectacular country and really interesting people. An interesting part of the world, to say the least. Um, we did all sorts of fun things um, and unique things. Where the boat races in Tri-Cities are awesome. Brent Ashcroft and I drove to a public execution hanging in uh, Walla Walla. Not that, you know, that's fun, fun, but, you know, it's unique. Uh, there's a story there. We didn't actually see the hanging, but, uh, yeah, there's a story. I'll tell it another time. <clears throat> we kind of did, I guess. But, um, you know, you've got such beautiful scenery. I'll say it again, but the mountains, and you go down to Portland and the beaches, and, you know, it's kind of the you know, you go along that coastline, you end up in California and it's beautiful the whole, the whole way. We drove it a couple times. Uh, but anyway, it was unique, but we, you know, it was 21 to drink. There's, it's, Tri-Cities is really laid back and conservative, like extremely. So there, you know, we, I, I don't remember going to a bar other than like going in Applebee's and like sneaking a beer or a, or a cocktail or something. And, and that was really rare. Did we drink? Yeah, we had some house parties like once in a blue moon. Um, and we had fun. We had a lot of fun. Now, every night we got together, but re oddly enough, Tri-Cities, not, not much weed either. You know, you heard of the odd person. I might've gone to a party and tried it, tried it once or twice. I, I don't really even remember that in Tri-Cities. It was more, you know, go hard. We'd, we'd sneak some beers on the bus once in a while, maybe three or four. I really don't remember being hammered a lot in Tri-Cities. Maybe we thought we were, we were having fun. <clears throat> we'd have a few like parties, but yeah. Whereas in college, I'm, I'm guessing that's more in your face, right? We'd go back to our billets. I was dating a girl from Newfoundland my first year and a half in Tri-Cities, and that seemed fine. Now, do the math on that one. It takes more than a day to get there. Like, it couldn't be any further from Newfoundland geographically, and that was fine with me. Uh, you know, just women weren't a big part of our lives i did uh, get laid a few times uh, that i can think of in tri-cities i i honestly can only think of yeah j two or three they were there's some stories behind those uh now on the road in brandon or something i remember but i'm just saying in tri-cities itself you know man it's laid back and our fans were real genuine they were either like kids or senior citizens it seemed there was a, and everybody in between um I shouldn't say that, but there were a lot. I mean, the rink held 6,000, and we sold out more than once during the year. There was uh, big games against Spokane. We played them 20-odd times one year. They were our tribal. Uh, you know, the New Year's Eve game, the playoffs. They embraced us. The, the thing about Tri-Cities, when I went there, you see, it was in 1990. I got drafted there as a 14-year-old in the 91-92 season. And, uh, you know, you... Hockey was, I think it was only their fourth year. I think they came in in 87, 88. So people were just learning the game. They, they really embraced it. But, I mean, people were cheering for offsides and stuff. Like the whistle went and 
you know, dance music would come on and everybody get up and dance. Like it, it was kind of like, yeah, like it was a mix between a basketball atmosphere. We also had a team, the Tri-City Chinook in the Continental Basketball Association. But yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a good time. It was an innocent time. I'm not saying college isn't. I'm just saying there's, I'm guessing there are more of those frat parties and women and, and whatever. You got to kind of deal with that. And your studies and all that, so you got to juggle. Either way, it's not going to be easy, right? You got to focus on the prize. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling, of course, as I do, but Alex Newhook's a great hockey player. And I have absolutely no doubt that, knock on wood, the guy stays healthy. I, I, I don't see how he's not going to be a successful National Hockey League player. I've seen a lot. And uh, you combine attitudes and. Uh, Skill and passion and karma, you know, he's a positive guy. Positive things happen to positive people. Um, so, yeah, there's that. So he's going to be my guest today. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I haven't done a lot of these guys. It's uh, And I get a lot, a lot of I, – I, 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 okay, yesterday, my last guest was Corson a week ago. I know people expect two a week. Yesterday, I probably got 50 messages alone yesterday. Hey, T-Bone, when are you going to put out an episode? It's all good, and I appreciate it, but I can't get to all the messages. And outside of that, I got to sort through, like, other things, like, oh, maybe someone wants a book or something. And then I got, like, just friends saying, what's up? If I look at my, say, just Instagram, it's insane. I got to sit down, grab a coffee, go, okay, from 10 o'clock till 12 o'clock today, that's what I'm going to do, answer Instagram. And a lot, I mean, I'm not. Now can I appreciate people listen? I'm just telling you the what you know the, the what goes down. I'm looking down and I see, hey T Bone, when's an episode? When's an episode? Rather than answer, you know, hundreds literally over the course of the week, because it gets monotonous. Uh, I'm guessing most people that are asking me that are listening to this. So listen, I, I'm trying, I'll do what I can, guys. I'm gonna try to put one of these a week out, but I gotta work. Right, and I got an opportunity. And there's not much work going on anywhere right now, let alone Newfoundland, which we were already uh, in. In I won't say hard times, but getting there. Everything I do, I'm, I, I work in, in 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 a film set, you know, off and on. I do public speaking. I do some hockey schools. Right, uh, those things are my main sources of income, and they're non-existent, and they're going to be non-existent for a while. So I have to work, and I started, and I started working. There's a bar in in, in St. John's called Turkey Joe's. Uh, my good buddy Stephen Hancock owns it, and and Jody Temple. Um, they're good friends um, that have been a part of George Street in my life for a long time. You know, Steph started Turkey Joe's when I was seventeen, eighteen. We, you know, we we kind of grew up in there in a way. Uh, and uh, he's got green sleeves now. And anyway, so I'm, I'm going to help him with turkeys. And we're going to call it TJ Sports Bar now. We're going to have 10 TVs. we got a great pool table, some dartboards. Might even put a couple of, maybe a PS4 and an Xbox and under one of those TVs. Uh, we had a wicked deck. We're going to have lots of live music, but the deck is, I think, the best downtown. I love it. Um, definitely the best for sun and heat. But uh, anyway, you know, so, so I'm going to do a little bit of that and whatever I can. But, you know, this, I hate to say it, it's least priority. Like people go, you know, you know, get biz on or whatever. Like, I, I will. I'll try that and everything. But like biz is not me, right? Like or, or, or Ken Reed or Victoria Matiash or Ivanka Osmak. 
actually I asked and hope to have her on my show again soon. But what I'm saying is that I'm not those people. This isn't my job. I don't get paid for this. This is just like whoever's listening. This is like you going home and doing a podcast for shits and giggles, right? I'm an, uh, I'm, what's the word? A D-list blowhard, right? None of this really. I mean, I guess indirectly I, I can go up and, and get some, you know, I'll, I'll do some public speaking here and there and yeah, I mean, and I enjoy doing it anyway. I love talking to my buddies. I love, I love, I can't wait to talk to Alex Newhook. A first-round pick, the National Hockey League. Like, you know, I get to do those things, and that's a privilege, and I'm a hockey fan. So I'm doing this as a fan, though, right? And, and so sometimes a month might go by. I wish I could, you know, do more for, for the people that really tune in. All you can really do, think of it as a little surprise you know look down and see oh is there new tales with tr and once in a while you'll be surprised as opposed to oh man one was supposed to come out monday like don't start relying on me right do not rely on me um but i'm gonna try to do what i can to get some decent content out there for you folks because i have my finger on the pulse and i realize a lot of you people that are listening i'm your glue to that world because I can make those calls and, you know, yeah, you probably can't and just from being close. Some of you can. I'm not saying I'm any better than you. I'm saying playing on these teams and having these relationships. I can call Shane Corson. I got his number on speed dial. I can have him on my show. But I'm a super fan just like you are. And you don't have that ability. I do. I realize that. So I take responsibility to put these out. I also know that a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot, listen to this and have mental uh, health issues, anxiety, depression, as I have, as Shane has, as we make that clear. The more and more people I talk to in the hockey world, that becomes more and more of a common thing. And I love that I can talk about it, and people really love listening. Um, and I mean every week. That's probably the most messages I get. You know, hey, Terry. Um, I'm going through a divorce. I just got yesterday. I'm going through divorce as you are, but you know, I see you're with your daughter, Penny Lane. You're with your ex, Danny all the time. Yeah. Because we want to be healthy. And I I'm glad I can set that bar and, and, and provide an example for people. Cause I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm in that position and getting here. There was a lot of anxiety and depression involved in getting to where I am. But you know, to me, I always like to be glasses half full. I want to be positive. And I truly believe that if you're positive, more things in your life will be positive and your, your outlook will have to get better. Why are we on earth? I don't know. I'm not religious. But I know that there's, I, I believe there's a positive. I believe everything's connected. I do. More, if I had to pick a religion, maybe Buddha, Buddhism. I don't know much about it, but I think the premise is that we're, you know, you can be spiritual. I just don't believe in like one person sitting behind a desk in a robe and a beard judging me. Oh, Terry. You had sex outside of marriage. Oh, Terry, you, you scalp tickets to a concert or whatever the fuck it might be, right? I don't think that there's someone there judging me. And at the end, if the score is 3,000 to 2,500 good versus bad, I'm going to get into the pearly gates. I think that's horseshit. But if you believe it, fine, whatever gets you there. But I do believe there's a positive energy. And, you know, early in my life, if I'm going to say early, in my early 20s, you know, I thought I was going to be a superstar. And not only that, I always feel like this responsibility, just as I feel the responsibility 
to use my platform to get these guests for you guys to listen to, I felt a responsibility to carry the torch for the people in Newfoundland that John Slaney in my life started watching him in 1991 go, go ninth overall. Then I go eighth. Then four or five years later, I'm a fucking wash-up now. I'm telling you that that's not easy on the head. The only option I had, especially when I realized when I got the ankle injury and said, oh, I'm not going to be able to claw my way back. Now it's physics. At first, I just thought it was circumstantial. It might have been my attitude combined with Montreal's, yeah, attitude. They were stubborn. I was stubborn. I still say if I'd just gone in and, and, and I hated Michelle Therrien, but if I just went in and spoke to him, said, Mike, let's cut the shit here. What do you want out of me? What do I have to do? I never made that conversation. I blame myself as much as anybody. But what I'm saying is that it wasn't easy on a kid's mind. I felt I left, let the whole province down. Anybody that ever bought a Habs jersey or came and shook my hand and had tears in their eyes, and I let all of them down, and that was thousands of people. I felt I let everybody in my hometown down. Mount Pro Minor Hockey, retire my jersey because they're expecting that I was going to play in the NHL for, well, for longer than I did. I get it. Now, how am I going to approach that? When I was 24 or 25, 26, I guess, after a, probably a straight year, I went through a divorce, and then I had to retire. A straight year of boozing, doing some drugs, eating whatever the fuck I wanted. You know, I got a, my buddy Mike O'Neill grabbed me, threw me up against the wall of green sleeves. It was about 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And he said, now the sun's going to come up today. No one's going to take pity on you, Terry. I love you, but you're ruining yourself. Now, grab what life you got back. And I did. And Mike was running a reality show. And uh, it was called Define Yourself. I don't think you can find it online. I believe there was some legal dispute with the name or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, and I went on there. And one thing led to another, and I, I started to take ball hockey more serious. I said, you know, there is a sport. I can be one of the best in the world. It's not going to be hockey, but if it can be ball hockey, I'll work as hard as I can. And I just became obsessive compulsive then about ball hockey. And I went hard, man, and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran. And, you know, the next year I went from uh, 260 almost, and I was down to 195. And I uh, really dedicated myself to ball hockey because it's not you don't just be good because you play ice hockey. I might have gotten a free pass or look for the Canadian team because of that, but after that, you got to work, man. It's a, it's a skill in itself, and I just started to notice that the more I acted positive, then the more positive things would happen. And then, you know, rather than hide all my hockey cards and be embarrassed, embarrassed of them, um, I started taking them out to little events, and, you know, I noticed that kids are still smiling when I sign them. I noticed that kids still came to me with the Montreal Canadiens jersey on, and once in a while, they'd turn around and Ryan was written on the back. And I thought to myself, if I keep boozing and I keep eating like a pig and I keep smoking, whatever the hell I was doing, it's not going to end up good. And all these people are going to be furthermore let down. And I knew the worst feeling of my life remains to feel like a failure. And then I let those people down. The failure is whatever. That's my own doing. I can deal with that. I've dealt with all kinds of situations like that, whether it's getting fired or, or, or losing or um, you know, doing poorly on a paper in school or being called out at work. I get it. That's failing personally. 
but I felt that I was the great hope of Newfoundland and I, I fucked it all up and I let everybody down. That's how I felt at the beginning. Well, I guess I'm, I'm just reiterating that. But as time went on, I realized that, you know, people still remember draft day and they still turn on YouTube and they see me in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. And it means a lot to a lot of people. And then, you know, I, I, I figured I went back at it, man. And, and then ball hockey, you know, after three world championships, I'm not bragging. Here, I'm just telling you where I'm at. After three world, four world championships, three in the regular division, uh, one in the Masters, umpteen silvers, a couple of national championships. I started to feel, you know, I'm creating a legacy here. I'm still a hockey player. And just because you don't make as much money and there's not as many fans, ball hockey's legit. You might argue more people in the world play it. So you don't need skates. But, yeah. And, you know, then all of a sudden, what happened when I started to be positive and, and embrace things like that? You know, then uh, the film industry called. And, you know, and now I, I got no tooth in. I look like a typical hockey player. I embraced it. Like I said, I came out. I started talking about it. I came out. I'm not gay. Although if I would, I would tell you. I, I'm an honest person. Um, like I said, my uncle's gay and could be probably my best relative. Come to think of it, I'm including my parents. <laughs> I'm just joking. Mm. Nobody is a great guy, Daryl. Um, calls himself Hudson. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just noticed that positive things started happening. Um, frontier. You know, then I got an opportunity on there. Then Jerry D phone. Then that, that's when my book came out. And when my book was coming out, right at the beginning, I was approached and people wanted me to elaborate on like the, the, the deterioration of, of my relationship with Montreal. But again, that, really, I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's what happened. I, I just was unhappy with Michelle Therrien. I thought they should have been playing me more, but maybe they had a point. Maybe I wasn't a good enough skater. I really don't know looking back. I think I should have been given more games. I think you give a first round or 100 games to fail. That's what I think. But, you know, because I never was a great skater, but I put stats up. I, I, I was determined, and I feel that give me any game, and I will find a way to be my best within that game, to do my best. If, if, I, if I'm not holding up my end scoring, I could be fairly tough. Like, you know, I, I'm not the biggest guy when it comes to NHL tough guys, but I learned how to fight them because I wanted to be effective. So like that, that's what I think. Like, whoever had used me in the NHL, I, they would have gotten the best out of me because I, I, I played all the exhibition. And in those eight games, you know, one, I played a lot, but I saw it with my own eyes. And I'm telling you, I think I could have easily played. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know how much great I could have done but I don't know like I scored goals in exhibition you got to think if you're on a decent line and you know to score they're the same people I played against in major junior and in, in AHL I had good stats you know with the one year in exhibition I'm not going to lie and there's no way to look at it oh, I led Montreal in exhibition no but I had like two goals three assists I think seven or eight games played on a good line played with Craig Conroy we were both prospects but you know it never really felt crazy out there it felt like a great league there was less mistakes but i found if you stayed in your own lane and you did your own job then it was almost it was easy okay the national hockey league for me at least as opposed to the ahl it was much easier to fit in in the nhl but harder to stand out by that i mean if you just stay in your position like i played with mark recchi a lot um he played right wing and I'd be in left. And often the puck would come 
right right across the middle. I found if I went up and down my wing and I was where I was supposed to be, the puck would end up on my stick. Now, if I get the red line dumping in, I'm not going to look bad, right? And I can do that because I can skate. I mean, I can play. Once you start trying to make the, the hard part for me was like navigating my way to who can I be out here and make a move on? You know, like a shark that's a predator in junior, you often look at the, at the players. Okay, so obviously if I'm looking out there and you got Brendan Wynn on one side or Wade Belak and the other side is some rookie 16-year-old, then that's an instinct that you, you've got to, you know, for me, I would always know where the weak link was, right? So in the NHL, I found that hard because they're all NHLers. Even in the American League, you can kind of you can kind of figure that out after a couple games, even a couple shifts. The NHL, I'm looking up, going, okay, like, you know, I don't know a guy like Brett Clark that played with us, right? Like he just looked average in the NHL. He was, but like it was really hard to get around him. He wasn't even that big. He played for Colorado after for a while. But even guys like that that might look like average and stuff still, like it's hard to like just burn around him in the NHL. Um, you got to really, really pounce on your opportunities. But like a guy like Patrick Kane is unbelievable at that, right? I, he's so dynamic, and you see him. And he, he, the game is so systematic now and robotic. But over the course of a game, a guy like Kane or Crosby or McDavid, and there's more obviously, um, like it, it might be boom, boom, and in, in, in one split second they'll do something that no one else does and then it goes back to normal and then boom 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 crosby gets it and wow i almost take your breath away um whereas if you're in the ahl a lot of guys might get it and wind up and you're like oh okay junior for sure you see guys going end to end so yeah and you know i was one of those guys in junior hence that chl goal all-star goal but i don't know if i ever even tried to go end to end in pro even in the ahl and then in the nhl i found just get it dump it in do your job, and you know guys like Pierre Turgeon, Vincent Dumfus, Mark Recchi, Shane Corson. You know those guys were doing that and getting their points, and I was blown away. Brian Savage is a guy that no one talks about anymore. I was very impressed with Brian as a hockey player. He could do those things, and they called him Mister October. He always had like twenty goals in October. He wouldn't, he wouldn't end up with thirty. But Brian was a good guy. Brian was a, uh, yeah. There's guys like that, right? That might look average in the NHL, but there was something dynamic to them. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I really mean that, you know, I started to get into just my experience and I often do that and that might sound selfish and narcissistic. And if, if that's the case, I'm sorry, but if you're tuning in, I'm sure you know the way I am. The point with all that is that, look, um, I get so into it because I love the game of hockey and I love that I played for the Montreal Canadiens. And I really love that I played for St. John's Maple Leafs, not for Toronto. I wasn't signed with Toronto. It was kind of a weird kind of contract that we were waiting to trade. It never didn't happen, but it was an honor to wear the Leafs jersey. It was an honor to play professional hockey. It was an honor to wear the Idaho Steelheads jersey, the Tri-City Americans jersey, uh, you know, the Orlando uh, Seals jersey. All this was unbelievable to me and that I got to do it and um, play professionally, whether it was NHL or not. But like I said, after that period of anxiety and depression, I know you guys reach out and listen. Like, I went through it. I go through it, right? I could barely pay my bills lots of times within the last five years. Even this year, there's times I can barely pay my bills, man. That's why I'd love to do this more, but I can't, right? I can't. But I get it. I have a daughter. She means everything to me. Um, and you might see a lot of posts that are, positive and happy and i mean that's the nature of social media but trust me i go through it 
Um, but anyway, point. My daughter will, in the end, I always, you know, if I'm feeling down, you know, you, you, I just go, you know, do it for Penny Lane or, or go see Penny Lane or go buy Penny Lane a present, something to make me feel better. And then, you know, reach out and talk to a friend, uh, you know, shoot them a note. I, I'm aware of my anxiety and depression. So I, I, I can't claim that there are times, though, I'm telling you that it's been bad, real bad. I remember walking around Toronto just a few years ago, man, Danielle and I split. I couldn't pay the bills. Everything I made, I sent back to her. And I walked around. People think I'm fucking kidding, man, but I'm not. I, we, we had some financial trouble at home that was, it was kind of in the way of like house problems and insurance racket and whoa, oh my God, now we owe what? And we were splitting anyway. I went to Ontario and I didn't want to spend money on a hotel. I didn't tell Danielle and Penny Lane and Tyson that, but I, every cent, I didn't have any regular work. So I was up there like begging for days on set. I'd get 300 bucks or whatever for a day. I'd send that home and I'd just walk around Union Station, to be honest with you, all night. I want to say I was homeless because I could have, but I didn't have much money. I didn't have, like, I, I never had more than 500 bucks in the bank for, I mean, that's a little better now, but not much. But at the time, yeah, that was 16, 2016. So I had to do this and go and do comedy. Jerry D had me up there doing comedy. And meanwhile, no one really knew that I was just walking around. Like I wasn't really, the odd time I'd get like a $30 uh, Airbnb. That's how I lived, man. I was, and I was depressed. I was picking up butts on the ground in Toronto and smoking them. And now, meanwhile though, you, you, I don't know, like I, I still am glass half full kind of guy. So I didn't just go around. It was just, you know, pissed off. But I know whenever I have a cigarette, I know it's, and you know, that's really, really few and far between for people listening at the odd time when I was drinking earlier, but in my life, but you know, if I do, it means I'm stressed. <laughs> I haven't had one in a while. I mean, I know it's not smart and I don't want to convey that, you know, when in doubt, go have a cigarette. I just know when I'm depressed, if I go, I'm like, okay, it's one of the signs. I'm scared of heights. And once I got on a plane and I remember going, geez, like, Halfway through the flight, it was around that time, and I really wasn't, there's all kinds of turbulence, and I wasn't scared, and I realized, whoa, like, I'm, I'm pretty depressed here, like, because I don't really care if it goes down kind of thing, right? So, it was also, not at all, but it was subconscious. Anyway, I'm just getting at these, I, I really think this is normal shit, though. Right now, if, if all kinds of good things were happening, and if, you know, Penny Lane's, got great news and you know Danielle had a new job and I got a new car or, or whatever that new car is cancel that that shit doesn't make me happier I'd have a nicer car that that shit's material stuff doesn't matter I'm fine with my life by the way I can pay my bills I love my little spot I'm not complaining just saying at times I can identify with people out there that get anxiety and depression for me though it's often something triggering it like a divorce like not being able to pay a bill some people just, you know, but I get anxiety, though, for no reason. Gladly, though, not depression for no reason. And I know people out there do. I know what depression's like, but often I can work on something to turn it around. If, you know, if, if, if I don't have a job and then I get one, then I'm not depressed anymore. That kind of, but some people, it doesn't matter. They'll stay depressed. And I know, man, I know what it is like. But just start making a positive decision. I, you know, make one lead to another, lead to another, lead to another. And I truly believe that if, if you stay positive, that, uh, you know, the best, you'll, you'll lead your best life. Um, who am I to say? But that's the way I'm going to, I have been approaching things. 
and you know it's working for me life's not easy i think the older you get man a lot of shit kicks in and the reality hits home that it's not easy but it can you we want to make it the easiest you can try to be as positive as you can you know <coughs> sunshine lollipops rainbows and cartoon bluebirds whatever it might be that gets you through man in any case i get it i'm here i'm going to do these when i can unfortunately they're going to be less frequent do I ever ramble? I, I meant to go for five minutes. In any case, Alex Newhook coming right up. I'm excited. Stay tuned. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is my pleasure to have to the program this week, former York Simcoe Express, St. Andrews Saint, Victoria Grizzly, Team Canada Under-18 member. Current Boston College Eagle and NCAA Rookie of the Year. He's a dirty dangler, a promising player, a blissful brother, a radical rookie, a fine first-rounder, a slippery sniper. He looks good as well, 10, and comes from Newfoundland. He likes chicken wraps and last year practiced with the St. John's Caps. The rumor's true. His sister Abby can, Abby can dangle too. He's a great rebounder and proud first-rounder. He, he hasn't been to Austin but seems to like Boston. I never want to lead you astray. His father, Skinny, could also play. He often likes to light the lamp and just got invited to World Junior Camp. He knows a guy named Paul and went 16th overall. My favorite Golden Girl's name is Blanche, and he got drafted to the Avalanche. For supper, I'm not quite sure what to cook, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pal Alex Newhook. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, and that's the interview. We've run out of time. <laughs> Listen, dude, I appreciate you coming on with me today. And the reason, people out there, I mentioned earlier in the preamble, it's 30 degrees in Newfoundland or close to, and it's June. And although you and I are well-traveled, that doesn't happen a lot. It's 5 no. o'clock in the evening. It's perfect time. The longest day of the year was two days ago. And I've got, if anybody knows what it's like to be over-interviewed as a first-round pick, it's me, and I've done it. So thank you for giving me a bit of your time. No worries. Happy to be here. Um, now, let's see. So we're going to start something I can identify with, Alex. You're younger. You were a bit of a prospect, to say the least. I heard about you when you were 10 years old. For me, when I hit Pee Wee when I was 13, I knew I, knew I might. I didn't really know about future. I didn't know the mainland, but I knew there was something different. I knew that I had, if there was anybody in the province, I could be one of them. When did that awareness, because your father, Skinny, played as well. He was a good hockey player. So w was the awareness always there, or were you just going to the rink, taking it as it comes? You were there so much, you, 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 you developed into a player, and you didn't really know. Yeah, I think, I think for me growing up, I was, uh, I was pretty lucky and privileged because we, we had a really strong age group in Newfoundland for 01s and 2000s even. Um, so when I was growing up, I was always playing against good players, and um, before I really moved away, I mean, you know, e even at home growing up, I, I mean, amongst even at ones, I, I don't think I was even really, um, the top of one growing up. There's always like three or four of us that were always, uh, you know, kind of fighting for that spot, I think growing up. So, uh, I think for me really when I think it was my first year Bantam after my first year Bantam, um, you know, I knew there, there was still three of us that were three or four of us that were, that were still battling for, you know, the top, top spot in Newfoundland yeah. or for our age group. Um, but I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of each to their own at, at that point. And I thought for me, the best decision was to move away, get, get a bit more exposure and, 
and see what the man like mainland was like. So that's kind of where I, I took my jump forward. So tell people where you went and why you went there. For myself, I was 14 and the same sort of thing. I had, I, I, and I, I had a will to do it. You got to have that will, first of all. So how was the move and tell people where you went and all that? Yeah, exactly. I definitely took it upon myself at that point. So, you know, I knew I needed to make a move. And um, a few of my buddies a year older, Matt McKim and, and Nick Goss, uh, both from Newfoundland. Great players. They went to yeah. St. Andrews College, yeah, the year before me. So they had nothing but good things to say about it. And I kind of saw it as an option where, where it, you know, if it fit for me, it would be a good move. And um, so I made the move to Ontario there where I played at St. Andrews College and, and played AAA for uh, York Simcoe Express. And I stayed there for two years before moving to Victoria and, and playing the BC Hockey League and, and then to Boston College. Um, did David Manning coach you there at all? He did, yeah. He coached, uh, he coached the varsity team. He was, he was a big reason why I ended up at St. Andrews. Um, and, and I got a bit of his coaching through you know, playing up with the varsity team a bit, which was great. He was a great hockey player. Dave's a couple years younger than me, but we, you, know, you know of each other growing up. And uh, had, a, had a scholarship, a lot, of, a lot of fans out there. A lot of my listenership's from Newfoundland. I like to keep people updated. Dave is huge at St. Andrews. Um, he's re- really well-respected. One of the best young hockey minds in Ontario, I can honestly say that. So my next question, because, again, we have a lot in common, a lot. I went at the same age, 14, and eventually, I eventually made my way wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I had an offer to go to BC, and I did. I went to the Cornell Millionaires. That was, at the time, the Rocky Mountain Junior Hockey League. Now, it, they don't have a team anymore, but it all morphed into the BCJ. I also played in Vernon for a bit, so I'm very familiar with and I, I still pay attention. Whether you went there or not, I love the league. I love it. If you're a young kid, it's just got everything from scenery to fans to uh, people usually have – you know, each team works. It, to me, it was very professional before it was professional. When I was in Vernon and Quinnell, we couldn't have been yeah. treated any better. So why did you, though, pick BC all the way across the country? Yeah. Um, I think my two years at St. Andrews College, I kind of got to see both sides of uh, major, junior, and college. Um, got exposed to both sides of it. They're big into the college route and, and being from Newfoundland, I think the queue is uh, – you know, it's a well-known league and, and people are, that's, you know, I think that's usually a destined, destined route for most people um, from the Maritimes. Um, so I got to see both sides and, and kind of, um, you know, I, I really immersed myself in the college route, kind of got down to see some colleges and, and really like the atmosphere down there. So um, the league, the BC league, I think sticks out as the best league in Canada in terms of junior A. And I wanted to stay in Canada and, and play at the same time. And, um, you know, at the time, Halifax had a really strong team, and I thought, you know, if I went to Victoria, I'd play a lot. I'd get, you know, good exposure that way and keep my eligibility to play at Boston College. So it all kind of fit together, and, and I'm really happy with that move that I made. Now, that's an interesting thing because uh, a lot of people often, and they ask me, you know, what should so-and-so do? And I'm like, well, if I haven't seen him or, or her, we'll get to Abby as well. But, you know, a lot of people now have, have opportunities. And I'm like, I think each situation is different. And, and I think – you know, I don't think anybody could knock someone for going to get their schooling. I, I do think not a lot of fans realize you can get it through major junior, but when you're, when you're in, in, in your position or my position at the time, I, I think I could have picked either. I'm a determined hockey player. Really, really, I was this close to going to college. The Tri-City Americans right. treated me real well, so I decided on that. But there's a guy, another thing we have in common, say one player that I say, I think I would have pushed him towards the college route is Kyle McGraw. 
a lot of people don't realize, which is real weird. So Alex and I are 20 odd years apart, but <laughs> we had the same line mate in real hockey. Like, <laughs> so Kyle is a great player, played in the queue, and I, that's what I think hurt him. Um, it's not it's just the league. I think he could have been successful, but the team he went to, Cape Breton, I just think he's a little water bug. I think he could have been real successful with less games, more ice, um, more freewheeling, but that's just me. But anyway, how did that come about? Did Kyle make it out there? And for those that don't know, Kyle ended up coming back here this year and going to school, but then I played on his team in the Allen Cup playdown, senior AAA. So it was, really, it was a great experience. I find it absurd that he played with two first-rounders 23 years apart. 24 but anyway anyway cool start. Cool how start. was that experience and was there any other Newfoundlanders out there playing with you there was yeah I was I was playing with Zach Rose he was our goalie at the time out in Vic um, I forgot that so I watched yeah. him the whole way up yeah 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 great great goalie great guy and um so yeah I got I got close with Kyle when I when I started to get a bit older he's two years he's two years ahead of me so um, we were always kind of that that odd year where he would move on to to Bam and I would be moving to Pee Wee so we never really got that close until you know, a few years ago, and uh, I was always talking about how I was going to major junior and everything like that, and, and uh, I knew he was a good player. I played with him in the summer, and, and I've seen him play before. I, I know he's really skilled, and, and um, at the time, our team was, you know, going on um, for, for a playoff push, and, um, and, and uh, you know, I, I was kind of asking him what he was doing. He was, he was actually home at that point. Um, because I think, you know, yeah. things didn't work he out. He was playing Cape junior Brent. and senior with us. Right, yeah. And then had this opportunity, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I just kind of brought up to my coach, I was like, hey, um, I know you, you might not know much about guys that are in the queue, um, you know, out east, but I got a buddy from home who would, I think, be, you know, he'd, he'd be more than happy to come out and join us for the second half. And, and they kind of got in touch. And over Christmas, I think that's when I found out that he was coming out. I think, you know, guys on our team started to figure out a few weeks later, but – yeah, he came out, joined us for the second half, joined us in our in our in our playoff push, and uh, it was it was great to have him out. How did you like Victoria? I love that place. I find it so similar to yeah. St. John's. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, unbelievable. It's it's a beautiful place. I think you know, arguably the best place to play junior in, in all of Canada. I would I would argue it for sure. Um, I, the weather's just so nice. Yeah, all I mean, all year round, and and people are so great. And yeah, no no complaints about that. Why Boston College? Boston College, I think, you know, at the time, as I said, you know, getting down and seeing a few schools was, was great to, you know, see what the options were. And um, BC stuck out to me as, as a place with a great atmosphere in terms of academics. And they're always top of, of uh, you know, the NCAA. They're always flirting with, you know, with, with the national championship and have been for a while. So I think being in that contention all the time is, uh, is exciting. And um, I think it was, it was a hard place to turn down for me. Oh, and Boston's so cool. I, I don't know if you've yeah, ever Red Sox game. My favorite place to be, my favorite sport, sporting venue in the world is definitely Fenway. And I, um, yeah, I don't even know if, if, if you know that, but I used to go, I love the area so much, but I had no link to it. I, I played right. in Canada, or, or I played in Washington State, which was Tri-Cities, a long way away. And yeah. obviously the AHL and then Montreal – so I would go to Cape Cod. There's a hockey school there. Paul Vincent has one or used to. But there was a bunch of those guys, and I love the area so much, especially in the summertime, um, yeah. that I can totally see how you made the move. Now, Boston College got both. Some places you go to for academics. Some places, places you go to for the, the college experience if you're not going to take schooling serious. Some places you go to because they compete and they have neither of the above. They're just a good hockey team. 
Boston actually has all three and, and then some. So, A, what are you taking in school? And from that perspective, how did the year go? Minus COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. That was, uh, that was unfortunate. But <laughs> I'm taking, uh, I'm, I'm in the business school right now. Um, just taking general business courses right now, not, not declared on uh, what my major is going to be. Um, but the, the year, the year went well. I think I, I wasn't really used to the amount of, of schooling, obviously, um, playing junior and, you know, having to balance that with, uh, with the season and, and hockey at BC. But I think, you know, it, it comes with a bit of an adjustment and, and, uh, I think that went well for, for me and the other freshmen on our team. And it, it, it built well for us to, to have a great year and, and one that I think could have ended with, uh, know with potentially a national championship uh yeah i've seen two games there and they can be more lively than an nhl game i mean that uh that was yeah the students are awesome (laughs) oh boy it's just awesome i i think that's just a great experience and um you know i I, i've i mean i went major junior so i defended a lot of people ask me and they don't realize that you can get your schooling but it was tough i had to go afterwards and i didn't you know i had the pro contract but I had, you know, things worked in without, there, there was certain things I got thrown into my NHL con. Anyway, one of them was the schooling, but it right. was, I did it and I went back, but I wish, I wish I had an opportunity maybe to go during and maybe in the future there's a way you could fuse both. But anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, uh, that's great. Uh, note to self or note to yourself, don't do folklore. Business is just fine. Um, <laughs> that's my degree. Abby, your yeah. sister is set to go to Boston College. Um, either next year or the year after, I believe. Uh, so a lot of people know Alex. They don't know Abby. In Newfoundland, they do. But why don't you tell people where she's playing now? Um, and, you know, she's, you could argue, as big of a prospect in the female world as you are in the, in the guy world. Your guys growing up, did you play together? Did you give her advice? You know, anything about Abby that you can tell the fans? Yeah, we, we have a great relationship. We've always been we've always been very close. Um, she she actually did play with me one year. I think it was Adam. Uh, she she played up with me in my second year, Adam, which was which was cool. Uh, I think my I think my parents like that got got to take in a few uh, pretty cool pretty cool moments. Um, but she is yeah she's committed to BC, which is which is great. She's playing at Tabor Academy right now, which is uh, in Marion, Massachusetts. It's like an hour away from where I go to school. Um, and she plays club hockey as well with, uh, with Bay State Breakers. So she's doing really well. She just got, uh, she just got named to the U18 uh, summer camp roster, which is, uh, which is unreal. I'm, I'm super happy for her about that. Um, and, and, yeah, she's doing well. It's nice to have her in the area now where I've you know, kind of been away for her for, for four or five years now. And um, to be able to see her every now and then, it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be more happy for her. Uh, yeah, well, I've seen her play, and she is just deadly and uh, is an up-and-comer. Keep, uh, keep an eye out for her, folks. We've got – okay, okay. Now, I, I don't want to get away from your family without asking about your father, Skinny. He's a few years older than me. I knew of him. Um, you know, like I'd be knocking around the rink, and they'd be playing Bantam and Midget kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So how much of an influence was he? I mean, my father was a huge influence, was always coaching, was always around the rink, and I – I know I had drive, but I, it, ha- it had to help me. Was Skinny a big influence on you? Yeah, huge influence on me. I think, you know, my, uh, my childhood, he, he was always coaching. I, he stopped coaching me in, in Bantam and, and uh, you know, kind of said that's time, you know, you get some, some different coaches and, and learn what, that, what that's like, you know, before, uh, before moving on to other things. But 
no, it was it was huge for me and me and Abby, both of us, you know, always being around the rink, always, you know, giving us little corners and, and stuff and hearing that, you know, the player that he was, uh, I think, you know, goes a long way with, with me and the advice that he's given me, um, you know, and still does today. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, and by the way, how, how long do you come home for? I usually see Alex, well, I'm talking to Alex, I usually see you, um, in the spring and then in the summer for some skates, but I'm not really aware of who's back and when they are. Do you come back for the full summer? Uh, no, I'm, I'm in mass right now. Uh, I was back for a couple months when, uh, yeah, when COVID kind of was, you know, at the, uh, at the peaks. Um, but I'm, I, yeah, I'm back here training for the rest of the summer. I usually oh, come good. I didn't realize you were back there. Okay. I don't feel so bad. You got lots of these days down there. Um, <laughs> but keep going. I cut you off. I cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's good. I'm usually home for, you know, most of the summer. And, and, uh, I think now that I'm down here, it's, it's a good setup in, in training and stuff. So I'll probably be spending most of the summers, I would say, down here or, or wherever, uh, wherever else. But still nice to get home for a couple months of summer. Oh, man. You're in a great spot. Although, yeah. So tell us. The, 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 the least I can talk about COVID, the better, the better. But obviously, yeah, sure. this is impact and stuff. Like, what, tell me that you're hearing something good. Like, are they saying anything about when the college season could start? Uh, we haven't heard much in terms of hockey. Our president keeps coming out and saying that, you know, they're not really going to move in, in terms of uh, an opening date, which is August 31st and still is. So that's, uh, that's good news. I think, you know, if, if we can get on campus and we have students around, uh, I think that just builds better for hockey and, and even being back on school would be nice to get a little bit of normality back. Um, but yeah, nothing, uh, nothing in terms of, of how the season is going to be played. How are you training? Uh, we're, we're actually allowed to go into gyms here. So it's, it's good. We're, uh, okay. I'm staying at my buddy's house that I live with in Victoria. So it's, it's great. We get to get in and work out and skate skating like three or four times a week now work out like four or five. what do you mean you so live within victoria so there's multiple players on victoria that are there i didn't realize that yeah so well my buddy I, so i live i victoria. lived in vic yeah so my second year we we built it together and he plays on northeastern so he's in the area and lives and lives just outside of boston so i'm, I'm staying at his house right now which is which is great so like and what's the vibe in boston like can you go out and beat her i mean i loved it in the summer for reasons that None of none of the above can you do. Hence Fenway Park. Um, you know, is 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 there a vibe? Are people doing summery things? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think that the weather's been great, and and people, uh, you know, people are trying to get out and, and do more things now. Um, and I think you know, with with everything going on, uh, you know, in, in society down here with all the protests and everything, um, you know, it, it's kind of sidetracked COVID a little bit. Um, and I think yeah. people are, you know, they're trying to get back to a sense of normal, whatever that means. It's, it's actually mandatory for you to wear a mask in any public place right now. Um, which is, which has been going on for a while, but restaurants just opened up, um, inside seating, I think like a couple days ago. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Um, I was just curious myself, to be honest with you, because it's, it's, it's a hard, I don't want to weigh in politically anymore. I don't know. It's just a hard position for everybody, everybody to be in. And as long as you're training and you're with buddies, yeah. that, that's further ahead than I thought. And I'm crossing my fingers there can be a season because at some point you need to live and be human as well. Um, Alex, I got to be honest, you're an explosive skater. And if there's one thing... Um, we're both first rounders. I've seen a lot of first rounders. I don't know that in my year there was anybody that 
had one thing that I, I looked at and said, whoa, like in that specific area, they are ready for the NHL outside of a guy like Sheldon Surrey with his slap shot and stuff. So it, it really boggled me when you didn't make the world junior team. And I watched what I could. I paid attention. A lot of people said good things. I don't know if I read one bad review. Bob McKenzie said you were a shoe in. How did you take that news? And, um, you know, what are you doing now? As, you know, as, as I say that, you just get invited again. You've got a year left. But, you know, uh, the hockey world knows that you had a real chance last year and didn't make it. So I'm assuming you came back with a vengeance and uh, led to rookie of the year. But tell me what went on in your head. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the world Juniors is always a, a big, uh, a big event in, in, uh, you know, in anyone's mind and to have the opportunity to be at camp was, was huge for me even to be there as a first year guy. Um, and yeah, I thought, I thought I had a really good camp actually there. Um, you know, I thought at the beginning of the season, it was definitely an adjustment, you know, getting into college and, and to start, uh, you know, being an impact player. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely took, uh, you know, a month or so to, you know, to be where I wanted to be. Um, and then, yeah, leading into camp, I, I thought I played, played well at camp, uh, had a good showing and, you know, sometimes it's, it's obviously not up to you, you know, to make the big decisions and, um, yeah, I ended up on the wrong side of it, unfortunately. And, uh, nothing you can really didn't have another year is kind of just looking ahead and I kind of took it. Yeah. As motivation, I think it's the only thing you can really do at that point and, and just kind of wanted to prove them wrong and, and show them that, you know, I should have been there in any way that I could and. And think that I uh, I did so in the second half. No, you definitely did. And uh, for those that don't know, Alex was NCAA Rookie of the Year. I only asked that question, Alex. I mean, I went through the same thing. So, um, you know, not to bring up a bad memory, but I think knowing you, yes, you'll use it as motivation. But people out there got to know it. Um, yeah, it's, sure. it's that it sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people I work with that are in their teens at hockey schools, whatever people eighteen, nineteen that you know that don't face adversity with the same kind of attitude. And I've always said, whether you're right or wrong, you know, it's the only way you really can. And now you're invited back. So good luck with that. Uh, hobbies. What do you do to relax? Relax. Uh, I mean, down here, try to try to hang out in the sun and, and uh, not do much really <laughs> just hang out with my buddies and um, lay low. Um, do you have a favorite? That, I mean, we're always trying to play some different sports or like, golf a bit down here. Um, was there another the sport beach. growing up? Was there baseball yeah, or soccer? Soccer. Yeah. Soccer was the one. Yeah. Figured. Yeah. And you wouldn't have played if you were in house league. So you, yeah, you were, so you were all star. Yeah, of course you were. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. um, draft interviews. How many teams? I'm sure everybody knows my um, memory story. I'm not asking you that. I'm saying is there was 26 teams in the league when I got drafted, and I think 22 dra uh, interviewed me, and oddly Montreal was not one of them. Um, for anybody on this planet, if you haven't heard, I, attended, I, I went to Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. But, um, yeah, I did not get interviewed by them. What, what was your process overall um, without having to get specific? Was it tedious? Mine was insane. But, again, I had to fly all around. After that, they kind of started doing it over the phone, and they had one combine where we had a bunch of shit on the go. Uh, what was right. your experience with draft interviews? Yeah, there was there was a lot throughout the year. It was uh, you know it, it was kind of overwhelming at, at some points. You know, you, you'd play a game, and even if you lost four one and, and had the worst game of the season, there was you know there was usually two or three guys waiting to talk to you after the game. So you, you kind of had to uh, you know put things aside and, and just kind of you know try and be yourself and, and uh, talk to those guys. So. 
throughout the year, there was a lot. I think I probably talked to, to every team throughout the year, um, just with like, uh, you know, positional scouting or, or around the West end. And then, um, and then at the combine, I talked, I think 27 out of, out of 31. So that would be like their main interviews, I guess. Um, so yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of talking, that's for sure. And now where you, it, I didn't have much of a chance. I went eighth and I think I was rated like 10th. So like everybody kind of ahead of me, I didn't really think I was going there anyway. It was a big, but when you're 16th and I think I saw you rated as high as ninth, as low as I think 18th, whatever. So you knew that somewhere in this bubble, I'm going to go, but you didn't really like, were you positive Colorado or like for me, I knew at some point that I was going to go to San Jose. If no one took me, I knew at 12, I was going there. How did you, you approach the whole thing? Was there any teams you thought you were going to and were the avalanche even first on your mind? Yeah, I, uh, I thought the avalanche could definitely be a, um, could definitely be an, an option. I think, uh, you know, I think they, they showed a lot of interest, you know, more than other teams. And I, I talked to them a couple of days before the draft in Vancouver. So that was, uh, that was a good sign. Um, but I thought my interview with Montreal went really well as well. So I thought they could be an option. Um, I talked a lot with Vancouver throughout the year. I think them being in BC and, yeah. and being around, um, I definitely thought, thought that was going to be an option. Um, but yeah, I think after, like you said, after, after nine or so, it was every, every pick, it was kind of like heart rate was probably up around, you know, 180 <laughs> super high and then go back down for a couple minutes and then back up again for like however many picks. So it was, uh, it was crazy. Don't you, didn't you find it like surreal? I remember thinking like, if there's one walk, I remember it was the weirdest because I was standing up. I was like, okay, I'm shaking. It was the only time I ever actually had to think about yeah. walking up to the stage. I was like, just, yeah. it felt like such a dream. Is this really happening? And not only that, but like 10 years, I guess you don't know you're going in the first round for 10 years, but let's just at least say for that, the last year or two, when you're projected as where you are, as I was, there's all this buildup and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And the day before you're like, it goes to your mind 8,000 times a second. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm on, you know, I'm a member of the Colorado Avalanche organization. So that, that's why to me, I've, I've often talked about it. That walk up to get the Jersey is just the weirdest kind of, I remember all of it and some of it I don't, it's, it's, it, it feels like it took 10 years. So when you get drafted, they pull you in, um, tell people what that process is like. Of course, I know what it's like. A lot of other people don't. What happens right after the draft? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the walk up for me was also, it was, it was, I mean, crazy. A lot of it. I don't remember. I, I remember my buddies, like there was, there was a few yeah. of them there. Yeah. I remember they, I remember, yeah, I remember they were saying like, you gave us a point, like when you were walking down and I was like, I, I, I had no idea I did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a picture of me, like, dabbing up some guys I walked down and he like never seen him before ever like must have just like stuck his hand out or something and I didn't remember that and then when I was walking up like there's a camera guy like right in front of me who's like slow down slow down and I'm walking already super slow and I'm like I can't go much slower but he's like still like saying slow down I'm like dude what do you want me to do here? <laughs> really but uh yeah um but no it, it was good after you after you get picked take the picture whatever um, you go back and do about 8 million interviews before, uh, before you get to see your family, um, which takes usually, I don't know, it took probably an hour, hour and a half and then go up to the box. My family had already taken over the abs box at that point. Um, they were all up there having a good time. So I, I got to see them after a while and then, 
we all uh, we all spent the night together and and uh, and had a, had a good time. Who were the buddies there that were cheering? They were they were my uh, my teammates from Victoria. Ah, Some of them, lived there. Yeah. Some of them flew in for it. Yeah, there was like ten of them there. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and how was camp? Like, what what I don't even know like what they do now. Did you go to ro- rookie camp right off the bat? I assume if I had no, to do so it. well, yeah, it's like development camp. So I guess it's like all all the prospects yeah. that are in the system, they all go there, and it's and it's before rookie camp and and uh, regular camp because we're not even allowed to go to those camps as as college players. I but forgot. It was, uh, yeah, 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 I forgot about yeah. that. But no, I mean, it was it was great. Did you go to Denver itself? Yeah, yeah, okay. we were in uh, we were in Denver around the Pepsi Center and, and at their uh, practice facility and and got to see the town, got to see what it was all about, the organization, that kind of thing. Uh, great uh it's one of my favorite cities on the planet i uh, love it I, I played in colorado springs one year an hour down the road for that reason because yeah. i loved it um best place that you've been so far um outside of denver say like i don't know you you've traveled all over it didn't wasn't one of your world under 18s overseas yeah, I, I was gonna say that. I, I was gonna say uh, I was gonna say Sweden when we where we were in northern Sweden, uh, like Orskolvik, Umea, that kind of area, and it was uh, it was super nice, very clean, um, and the rinks were nice. It was that Olympic sheet, which was fun to play on, um, and and it was a great tournament. So I think that adds to the uh, environment for sure. Wow, that's I, I didn't realize that's where it was. So I practiced there for two summers. Montreal would give oh, us really? money to do whatever. They well, Montreal would say, you know, here's X amount of dollars. You can go wherever you want and train. So Brad Brown and I, there was a guy on our team, Peter Popovich was from up that way. Nick Lidstrom is from up that way, and Tommy Sallow. So there was a bunch of us. I said, I'm going to go train with Nick Lidstrom. Nick Lidstrom is, a, yeah. is an opportunity in itself. Plus, I love the area. And I went there and fell in love with it. I can't believe that you just spit that out. That's something else we got in common. Favorite athlete yeah. in another sport? Oh, um, favorite athlete. I, I mean, being a big soccer guy, I always liked Ronaldo. I liked the way he played. Um, I was a big fan of his when I was younger. Um, I'd probably have to go with it, with him. Nice. So then, yeah. just to delve into that for a second. So when you played soccer, then that means that you were playing for the St. John's All Stars growing up. Did you guys ever um, win the provincials? I uh, yeah, I played with St. John's growing up, and then I switched affiliates as soon as they became okay became, uh, youth organization. So I was I was with affiliates since day one, and uh, big big fan of them. Still am, and uh, we we did win. We won a few. Um, a few bet. provincials and then the year the year that I was on the team where I kind of like I played like half the summer because I I wasn't going to be able to to finish because I had to go back to school and everything um that year they actually went to nationals so I uh couldn't couldn't play there but uh, it was too bad wow that same thing happened to us we won the Atlantics and I couldn't go to nationals because of hockey that was under 16 and that was my last soccer other than intermediate but I loved it as well it's such a good sport to train uh just but the thing is I had to stop um because it it was starting to be Montreal worried about my ankles is that why you you stopped because of the injury I assume or injury yeah I just I just stopped because it was getting too much really it was just you know you're trying uh you're trying to train for hockey during during the off season and and then you're tired at workouts because of soccer practice or whatever. It was just, it was just getting yeah. too much. 
I went in one time to see the trainer in Montreal. He said, what's up? Eh. I said, I don't know. I did something to my ankle. How'd you do it? I'm <laughs> oh, just playing soccer with the boys. What do you mean playing yeah. soccer? Well, yeah. we had this league game. I was explaining. He's like, what league? What are you talking about? <laughs> Stop yeah. right now. Um, yeah, okay, just a couple of layups. Favorite music? Is there any band or genre that you uh, like? I actually like a lot of music. I've, uh, I'm big into country in the summer. Uh, I like rap a lot. Those probably take the crown, both of those. So all over the map. Yeah, that's good. I am, yeah. um, Movie, do you have any favorite movie that stands uh, I out? Think, I think I got to go with Mighty Ducks classic. Yeah, that is a classic. Uh, although, it's the last thing I thought you were going to say, but that's my favorite <laughs> too. I never yeah. I was thinking hockey movies the other day, and I could only come up with a couple there. That's a classic hockey movie. Minor hockey influences, coaches, well, I guess your dad. Um, yeah. I mean, you must have been... You must have been at that ripe age when Cleary and Ryder were winning Stanley Cups. I was going to say, yeah, uh, all the uh, yeah, all the local, uh, the local, um, you know, NHL players at the time were big influences for me, um, as well as as my dad. I think uh, both of those would be the, the top ones for me. Um, who was your favorite team growing up? Calgary. Calgary. I didn't think you were going to yeah. say that either. <laughs> yeah, dad. What, what could possibly bring us to Central Alberta? What was your What was your <laughs> Dad's an Edmonton fan, so I think uh, I think that might have sparked a bit of a rivalry in the house. Um, and I think I, I think well, I think initially I just liked the logo, so I, I was with him and then stuck with him and happened to, you know, be the Battle of Alberta in, in the house, which is cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. I also didn't think you were going to say the Calgary Flames. Um, yeah. Okay, so Alex, in the future, let's just say you weren't a hockey player. Where do you see yourself? Well, this is a hypothetical. Where would you see yourself if you weren't a hockey player? What would you be doing? I feel like I'd have I'd have to play a different sport. I mean, I think uh, you know, just just being active and always trying to you know be the best in a sport is is kind of uh, what I've done growing up. And I don't think I could see myself like doing anything else. Maybe being uh, maybe in like operating staff or something uh, or a coach like for hockey. I could see that as well, but. You'd be involved in sports. Yeah, okay, I yeah. see. And uh, the mental side, I know, I know that you excel at the physical side. I know you train. I know the mental side, you must, you, you cannot go in the first round without having faced a lot of mental adversity. I know how that goes. Again, that's why I appreciate this interview. But nutrition, um, what can you tell us about, uh, you know, training off the ice? To me, although you'd never say it, but I've always said that I think nutrition is real important. Where are you with that? It's huge. Yeah, I've I've always been uh, I've always been very concerned about my nutrition. Um, you know, I think even even from a young age, uh, my mom is is very health conscious and very uh, very healthy person. So she, uh, I think she probably influenced that a lot. Uh, but I've always been really interested. I'm I'm always about learning different things and about different foods and and you know what the benefits are for a lot of things. And um, I, yeah, I'm really conscious about my diet. Um, try to learn as much as I can from guys with the abs and, and even the trainer I'm with now I used to be with the Pats. So uh, I've, I've, getting, I've been exposed to a lot of good stuff in nutrition, and I think it's a huge part of performance, uh, maintaining your body, injury prevention, just so many things. It's huge. Well, listen, brother, I won't keep you any longer. I really appreciate all this, and I hope that you take that torch and pass it on. Uh, we've got all those guys that we mentioned in, in, that you grew up watching, and uh, you know, for me, it was John Slaney. I looked at him, yeah. who was uh, just an absolute legend, and he made, he made it possible. He went ninth overall in 1990, 
one I believe, and I, you know, I was a kid, and I looked at that and said, I'd love to be that someday, and I was. And now here we are. Dawson Mercer is about to go in the first round whenever we get that off on the go, the draft. And I, I'm sure that you um, definitely were – he looked up to you the same way. And I believe that our young players are better than they ever have been here in Newfoundland. And you're leading that charge. So listen, buddy, good luck. I love Thanks where you're much. at. And um, I love where you're at. I love your, your sense of the game. Like I said, you're already an explosive skater. I've never seen someone your age that explosive. I mean it. And uh, the other parts of the game, I know you. I know you'll work at it. You're a motivated guy. Good luck and stay in touch, okay? This is volume one. We're going to have volume two halfway through the season, whenever that may be. Sound good? Perfect. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate you uh, coming to Tales with TR. Talk soon, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks. See ya. And there we have it, Alex Newhook. Uh, and, you know, the big thing there that I appreciate is that, uh, you know, I hate asking him for his time. I know how it goes, and everybody wants a piece, man. And I hate to be one of those people that wants a piece. That's why, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, people go, get so-and-so on and I'm like you know so-and-so's probably bothered or or Liam Hickey there the, the sledge hockey player during the tournament I was like you know I'll have Liam on which I have and I'll have him on again but not during the tournament man but it's it's you know they the the, the world sledge hockey was here in paradise in December is why I say that and you know everybody's at them like, like they they would be like they should be it's it's what makes a tournament click but I'm not going to be one of those guys that doesn't need the immediate attention for my podcast and you know because he's going out of his way and for a first round pick especially a time like covid when there's not much else on the go i mean he's getting asked every day for a piece man what, what do you have can i have this can i have that can i have five minutes of your time and alex has agreed time and time again to come on and one thing leads to another but uh actually last couple weeks ago flooded my parents house I was going to have him come on. I left the water on, went for a bike ride, came back. Damage, damage, damage. Um, in any case, just look, man. I really appreciate Alex Newell coming on here. And like I said, he's a great hockey player. You heard it. He's very motivated and he lives well. And there's no reason to think that he won't only play, but uh, he's a potential to be a star. Uh, you know, and I, I often, we, we do these ad reads and I always forget because I don't forget, like uh, to to so Southern Scholar socks, you know they are a great dress sock and they form fit and all that. And I love Southern Scholar socks. And you re really should go out, pick yourself up a pair. THPN is the promo code. Um, you will save five bucks, but um, they're great. And they sent me some, and I and I use them, and as well as this Manscape thing. So the the Manscape. Uh, basically, for lack of a better way to put it, it's to groom your genitals and whatnot. And it's great. And they sent me one. Man, is it specific? They sent me a box and there's like all these different creams. And now it's not only for your balls, but it's um, mostly. But I mean, again, I'm getting, you know what, whatever. It, it's a podcast, uh, it's not a radio show. 
So normally when you're doing that, you just use like a clipper. It can clip you like as soon as a clipper hits you and it's really hard to go over your nuts. Basically, that's that's the problem. Any guys out there listening and you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, then you really should. The jungles went out in the 70s. But yeah, I've been trimming down there since I played junior hockey. That was early 90s when I went to get a shower. Dave Standing said, boy, you're going to trim those hedges or what? Handed me the clipper and ever since. And it only makes sense for hygiene, I think, let alone if someone's down there. Maybe after George Street night. But um, in any fucking case, this Manscaped thing fucking works. It's a clipper with like a little bit of a guard on it, just enough. It's deadly. So thank you very much to those guys or girls, whoever sent it. It came from the company. I don't know who founded it. I'm assuming it's a guy given it's a Manscaped thing, but who knows? Um, so thanks for that. Um, Penny Posh. Penny Posh Women's Wear Reimagined. Just check it out. Like I said to you guys, uh, check it out. Their hoodies, they're $129.99. $69.99, we'll give them to you for almost half price. I'll throw in a signed picture of myself, and my dad will throw in a signed picture. So they're Penny Posh. Women's wear reimagined. The hoodies are unbelievable. They have other stuff. I'm just really, I love the hoodies. And uh, it's, it's not like I have to say this, actually, um, because, you know, I'm not going out of my way just because it's Danielle's company and she's my ex-wife. I'm telling you, it's great. It's a great company, and I'd love to help her out a little bit. And people have been ordering them and, and loving them. So there's that. Uh, thank yous. Thank you to all you out there who are going through this rough time and uh, for listening and tuning in. Like I said, I'm going to keep uh, trying to pump these out at least one a week. I'll, I'll really try. And we're going to try. We got some great guests lined up either way, but it just might play out over a longer period of time is all. Thank you as well to my grade, my elementary school basketball teacher, Chris Murphy. Taking me on the team, I was a grade four, decent athlete, determined, a little bit clumsy at the time, but he put me on the grade five and six team. And so, uh, and I, yeah, it wasn't like hockey though. I wasn't this proud. I just, there was only so many people I wanted to play and I was decent and I made myself get better because I'd sit there and take a thousand shots. Chris Murphy saw that, put me on the team. And, you know, when the game was getting late and it was already out of hand, one way or another, he'd throw me in. But and two years later, I was on the team and contributed pretty well. So thank you, Chris Murphy, for that. And thank you to my grade four teacher, Mrs. Murray, for convincing me to take saxophone classes. I, I enjoyed it for that year. I never kept the saxophone going. But it did. What it did was the people that were taking saxophone were really into Clarence Clemens. And he was the sax player for the E Street, for the, he was Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And Clemens played a mighty fine sax, and it kind of got me into Bruce Springsteen. So if Miss Murray never recommended that I get into playing an instrument in music class, the, really the only reason I wanted to take it is because it got us out of math class. But, and I never understood that. Like three times a week, they come in and is a band ready? Okay, band practice. Why didn't we just have band practice after school or, or, or during a class, like have it music class and we can take it? I mean, you know, it would always be in the middle of something, which was great. 
at the time, but never understood it. In any case, thank you to Miss Murray. Oh, oh, one thing I have to mention, Newfoundlanders, Newfoundlanders. We've got, honestly, this is incredible. We've got six players. Is this right? Yeah, we do. We've got going to national camps from Newfoundland. We've got Alex Newhook, Dawson Mercer. Now, they're both going to the World uh, Junior Camp. Dawson played last year. If Alex doesn't make it this year, I will be absolutely blown away. So you got Alex and Dawson. Then you got Maggie Connors, Abby Newhook. And Carmen Elliott are also going to the female junior, well, I guess under 20, national camp. And then you've got Zach Dean of Mount Pearl. At least I think he's of Mount Pearl. I watched him play in Mount Pearl. Um, they're all invited to Canada. He's going under 18. Like It's incredible the success and, and the, the impact that Newfoundland players are having. And I said it to Alex, like, I'm, you know, like, that's incredible. And he's got a torch in his hand now, and, and, and he's passing it along. And what a great group. And hats off to female hockey here in Newfoundland. Boy, has that really, really taken off. Um, sky's the limit, guys. Uh, anyway, I really want to reiterate that... Um, we often, it's, it's a small province, so if, if, if it's not me talking about it or, or Ken Reed giving us a shout-out or Stephen Brunt, or, you know, we often get shout-outs. I, I don't know that, and I appreciate that from national media and everything, but, you know, I try to reiterate here that we, we have a small system, right? We have a small population, but it's very impactful, and people keep playing here, and I love that we got our own little junior B league Players play. They don't like just play till bantam midget and then tail off. Some do, but even though we don't have major junior here, people love the game and they love playing, and it's a huge part of our lives, sports in general. But now to have six Newfoundland players represent at national camps, I think that way over represents us in, in if, if you if per capita population wise, which is great, means we're really making an impact. And those are the players going to national camp. There's all kinds of young boys and girls that are making a huge impact. Um, and that's just great to see. I think we got great minor hockey. We got great passion. And it's Newfoundland is still one of those places that, you know, you see street, a lot of street hockey games and people doing things outside. And I, I know that the internet takes over the world and, and phones and all that stuff. I'm just saying that we still have a healthy presence of, kids that are active. I'm not sure how that is everywhere. I know some places it's a challenge. I've coached there. I'm just saying I'm proud of Newfoundland and, and what we do on a national level. I could go on and on. It's not just hockey, but, um, you know, anyway, it's been a, it's been uh, great having Alex on. Uh, who's our next guest? I'm not really sure. I don't even know when the show is going to be. There's a big weekend. Bars are opening here today. So I got to get down to TJ's and, um, like I said, we're making a sports bar out of it, so I just got to mount some TVs and put the finishing touches on our renovated place. Used to be Turkey Joe's, now we're going with TJ's. Slight difference, and inside is a big difference. Same layout, but a big difference. 
So that's it. Thanks to my sponsors. Thanks to my listeners. And uh, thanks for the patience um, in, you know, in the inconsistency. I, I, I do appreciate it all. Good luck to everybody out there. If you're going through a hard time, reach out to somebody. A lot of people are going through a hard time. It's natural. We're human, right? We're all in it together. Uh, so good night, good day, and good luck. This has been Tales with TR. See you soon. Tales with TR.